tell Jack about the dowry. Oh, God. Welcome back to the Progress Texas mini I'm your host, Sam Gonzalez, and we've got Ed Espinoza, Diana Gomez, and special guest Mike Collier, Democratic candidate for lieutenant governor. We have an election coming up on May 24th, a runoff election. Texas is of only a few states that have runoff elections for primaries, and so today we're talking with Mike Collier about his campaign. Now, Mike, you're running for office right now, and you've got a crazy schedule. I know you're on calls a lot. I appreciate you being here today. So I want to give you the spotlight on this little mini-sode, uh, get some of your ideas out there, and let people know who you are. So um, the first question I have for you is, what is the most important job of the Texas lieutenant governor? Now, we do have one in place. He's in the news a lot, maybe not for the best reasons. What is the most important job for this position, though, in your opinion? Well, first of all, th- thank you very much for allowing me to say a few words and to join you today. I really appreciate it. Uh, and it's a great place to start, Sam, because um, part of my job is to make sure that voters know, many do, but not all do, the lieutenant governor is a really, really important position. Uh, a separate constitutional office from the governor. Some consider the lieutenant governor uh, to be more powerful. Depends on how you look at it. But uh, lieutenant governor is president of the Senate. As president of the Senate, it's, a, it's akin to, if you think of national politics, Chuck Schumer or Mitch McConnell when he was uh, in, there, in that position. So it's the president of the Senate and, as a consequence, has outsized influence on legislation. And, and to oversimplify it, if there's something the lieutenant governor wants, he, he can get it. And if there's something the lieutenant governor wants to block, he can do it. And I say he, I mean he or she. It's a very, very important position. I'll give you two examples. This uh, canceling Roe v. Wade with this vigilante style, illegal in my opinion, uh, taking away a woman's right to choose. If we had the correct lieutenant governor in that position, would never have happened. It just would never have happened. The corollary, expanding Medicaid, which we know we, we need to do. It's it, The fact that we haven't is absurd. Lieutenant governor, you get the right lieutenant governor, you'd expand Medicaid. That'd be the work of 10 minutes. So it's a very, very important position. You know, Mike, uh, one of the things that I think is a misconception is that Republicans cannot deal make in the Capitol, that they will only work with themselves. But the thing is, is that it really depends on the person, right? Because the Speaker of the legislature up until a couple of sessions ago was a deal maker and in fact was at odds with the lieutenant governor because he wasn't willing to go so far to the right on every single issue, maybe 90% of the issues, but on 10% of the issues, you know, he really was willing to work for the greater good. You don't really see that with Dan Patrick. No, no. Dan Patrick is obsessed with power, his own power, and taking our state to a place we don't want to go. You can see several steps that he's taken just in terms of the operation of the Senate itself. Uh, with with Dan Patrick, his it's my way or the highway. And um, I can tell you, you know, for example, there was a, a rule called the two-thirds rule where you couldn't really consider legislation unless two-thirds of the senators agree that we should consider it. That meant that Democrats had to be brought into the, into the, um, into the thought process. He canceled that. Uh, now, what Mr. Patrick doesn't seem to realize is that two-thirds rule was meant not only to protect Texans, but also to protect the lieutenant governor. Because as John Kennedy famously said, if you wander outside the jaws of consent, you're done. And that's exactly what he's done, and that's where he's taken us. If we had the right lieutenant governor who believed in democracy who wanted to work in the, inside the legislature to find what is the majority point of view on these issues that we care about. And there's work involved in doing that, but to find the majority point of view, which is what democracy is all about, 
then you'd see a very, very different answer. And by the way, we as Democrats represent the majority point of view on all of the vital issues of the day, including a woman's right to choose. And so um, that's an, a very important part of why I'm running for this office. And that's a big change you'll see in the legislature with the right lieutenant governor. And that's a good that's a good uh, lean into my next question, which is regarding the themes of your campaign. Uh, so you have the ideas, you have your approach, but what are some of those themes that you want to carry throughout your campaign? And then, if uh, if elected, what would you take to that office as your primary focuses and the things that you want to see done? Yeah, well, thank you. Well, well, as you as you know, Sam, this is a rematch, and um, there are a handful of issues that were very very important to folks last time, and they remain there. So we have to invest in public education, and we're not doing we're not doing right by our children, by our parents, and of course by our teachers. Taxes need to be fair. We have to fix the damn grid. We should think in terms of criminal justice reform, legalizing marijuana, expand Medicaid. Technical issues that really are just associated with good governance. That's very similar to 2018, but 2022 is a very very different era in their state. Things have changed a lot in four years, and overarch overriding all of that is Democrats must answer the call. This Democrat answering the call to fight for our Constitution and our individual liberties, the the right to if you're LGBT community to live and love the way your maker intended, not the way the legislature intended. Woman's right to make decisions for herself and her health care and her body, the right to free speech and the and the right to vote. There's a lot of the issues are the same from 2018. They've only gotten worse, so we have to fix them. But we also have a great sense of urgency in 2022, like we didn't see in 2018, to really protect our democracy and our individual liberties. Mike, we're talking about we're talking about themes here. I really want to come back to public education because it was such a big issue in your 2018 campaign, and it's it's become such a more urgent issue, but. I think it's gotten drowned out by so many other issues out there, but like, we have a teacher shortage in Texas. We have an issue with people paying high property taxes, even if you're a renter, by the way, because it gets passed on to renters like me, and and having it not always go back to the schools. And part of that's Robin Hood, but part of it's because, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, but like, the state doesn't always send back all of the money to the school districts, right? No, no. We, we as property taxpayers are underwriting the state. It's the most unfair thing I've ever seen. I call them tax-raising Republicans. And they are tax-raising Republicans. Really? If you have to be an ordinary Texan, you're getting hammered by these guys. And when they yeah. say they're low tax... But, you know, it's not just... When I think about public education and property taxes, you can't really talk about one without the other because they're inextricably linked. But it also extends to everything that we want to do in the state. For example, a lot of people are talking about child protective services and all of the problems, the terrible things that are happening there. They're all related. The state has a revenue problem. The state has a real revenue problem driven by decisions that Republicans have made over the last couple of decades that means that we don't have the money for these programs even though our property taxes keep going up. The other way to say it is, if you were to go to homeowners and small businesses who are getting hammered on property taxes and even suggest that we need to have more money to do these things, the answer would be no. It ought to be no. What they've done, Republicans have deliberately shifted the tax burden from the largest corporate interests onto our backs. And we end up with a double whammy when we're paying a lot of taxes and we don't have the programs that we need, like education and all the other things that we have to do. Um, I, in terms of my candidacy, uh, you know, I'm a CPA and an old, I'm an old auditor. Uh, 
I'm Dan Patrick's worst nightmare. I'm a Democrat. I'm a Democrat and I'm an auditor. I get lied to for a living. And it's time we start unwinding these tax, these flaws that hurt us and make it impossible to fund the things that we need to fund to have the great state and, and rise to the moral imperative of teaching all of our children and health care and the rest. Definitely. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, a quick question. I don't know if folks really understand how intense it is to run for a statewide seat. Um, what have you learned so far on this campaign trail? Well, a lot of what I've learned on this campaign trail, I started by, this is the second time that I've run. And I'm not the least bit, it's actually the third time that I've run. I started running for comptroller. We had a very, very bad year. I had the slightest idea what I was doing. I had some fun making TV commercials, but I, um, but I had the slightest 20, idea what I was doing. Um, 2014 was a tough year for everybody. Mike. 2014 was a hard year. But I came, away, I came away from that with a very, very clear impression that because Democrats haven't won for so long, we don't have the statewide infrastructure for a, can a statewide candidate to step into and thrive. Each candidate, and I'm not criticizing the party because we just haven't won. And you, if you don't win, you don't have the infrastructure. So that means a candidate has to build his or her own infrastructure to be effective. And it's a huge state. I don't know if you've noticed how big the state is. And so I decided, I resolved uh, back in 2014 that I would continue to build my infrastructure and either and one day make sure that that infrastructure goes to work to make sure that we have a statewide Democratic victory. Now, I didn't know precisely what form it would take, whether I would be the nominee, whether the position would be lieutenant governor. All I knew is that I would put my back into it, worn out three pickup trucks now, to build the statewide infrastructure so that we have a Democratic win. Now, the form that it has boiled down to is I might very well be the nominee for lieutenant governor. That's what I'm seeking to achieve um, and presenting myself so that, so that Democrats can uh, size me up. But uh, what I have learned is, I mean, I've learned an awful lot this campaign compared to the last campaign because this time it's, we're well-funded. And so we have a lot of money. We have a very sophisticated team. I've brought in some of the best consulting firms for its comms, digital, fundraising, direct mail, uh, you name it. And so running a large, well-funded campaign is new. And so I'm learning a lot. Um, but I'm also seeing how, how impactful it is. And I'm very enthused. And that directly leads to my last question that I have for you, Mike. So you, you, you have more funding. You're you're poising yourself to be in position to to win if if nominated if everything goes the way you want it to uh you go up against somebody who a lot of people see seem as unpopular but at the same time keeps winning somehow because this is as many think even inside the state outside the state they think it's a red state so they think that's the destiny of this election is that it's going to be red once again for people who may not have the same hope potentially how does a democrat win in texas it's 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 not only a question that texans have that are blue but even people outside that get affected by some of these policies that are put in place because like we mentioned earlier the copycat laws and all these things um happen and start in texas so how does a democrat win to influence the not only texas but the rest of the nation well first of all I'll, uh, thank you sam first of all i'll share with you on election night 2018 uh I hadn't made it quite to the Driscoll Hotel where we had a big party. I was still out on the hustings, shaking hands and doing the things that you do. And my phone rang. It was the team. They said, you better get down here right away. 
you're in the lead as results started pouring in. And so for about three, a three hour period, I was winning that race. As all the numbers came in, instead of just barely winning it, I just barely lost it. But we came close. And the numbers that were coming in towards the end were the numbers in rural counties. And so that's where a lot of the votes are. Um, and that's why, you know, th there are those that say, well, Democrats can't win. I've gotten a taste of it. We can win. But here's how you win. In my opinion, here's how you have to win. First of all, we must turn out Democrats. Democrats have to vote. If Democrats don't turn out for us, nobody else is going to. And that's the hardest part. That's one of the reasons why I'm so happy that Beto is running for governor, because he's our best athlete when it comes to turning out Democrats. Then once that work is done, then you turn your attention to finding people that are beyond our field of view as Democrats. These would be independents and to some extent moderate Republicans. And you go out and talk to them about the five or six things that the state does that has an impact in their life and in their family's life like public education, like expanding Medicaid, like a property tax system that's fair, like fixing the grid, like hospitals that are closing and solving that problem. If you talk substantively with authority because you understand the issues, you've done your homework, and you go out and talk to people and say, this is the problem, this is what I think the solution is, what do you think? The response from folks beyond the democratic world is very much a, hey, this doesn't sound like a partisan brawl, this just sounds like good leadership. And if you do that effectively, you find people follow. And finally, I'll say this. The things that we care about as Democrats, whether it's public education, whether it's health care, whether it's a woman's right to choose, whether it's freedom of speech, the ability and the right to vote, we are in the majority in this state. We are not a fringe element here. We are in the majority in this state. Our politics are controlled by a very zealous, very slender minority. Just get our message out there, and you'll see that people will come and vote. And that's, that's our path to victory, in my judgment. Mike, I want to add something to the end of that, which is that people who live in dark blue places like Houston and Dallas and Austin and El Paso, San Antonio, uh, a lot of times people say, oh, well, you know, I didn't vote. It's Austin. They're going to win in Austin anyway, or they're going to win in El Paso anyway. But the thing is, is that that's, that's, the, that's why blue voters should vote in those areas, because we need their votes to offset in other places where Republicans are turning out their vote in places like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to call anybody out because there are blue voters everywhere. But if, if we kind of run up the score in places where we're strong, and so that's part one. And the other thing that I think is important is that independents look to see what hat they're going to wear that year. And they may not look like a Democrat on paper. Their voting history may not look like that. But the trend shows that independents are moving towards Democrats. And that coalition can be very strong. And if we come out strong and unapologetic for what we believe in, issues that we believe in that are believed by a majority of the state, then that can be a winning formula too. So I, uh, I thank you for running. I know how, how hard it is. I don't think people realize how much, how draining that uh, running for statewide office is on, on people's physical, mental, and, and, and financial health. <laughs> it's all, I can say, all I can say is it's 24-7, you're either working or worrying. There's no other way to describe it. You're either working or worrying. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I hope you're working right now. I think you're working hard. So 
Of course. And yeah, and, and, and Mike, how can people find you? How can they find out more about you? Obviously, you've given us a lot of good information about what you stand for, but uh, where can they find you or they learn, learn more about the person behind the policies? Yeah, so it's very simple. Just go to, uh, go to callyourfortexas.com. That's my website and um, should be everything you need right there to size me up and have a look at me. And I think the most important thing is when it comes to voting in a primary uh, and voting in a runoff, the most important thing is I urge everybody, make a plan to vote and then please be thoughtful and make a good decision, a decision that you're very comfortable with, that you think that you're nominating the person who shares your values with a high likelihood of success. That's all I ask. Just do your homework, make a plan to vote. That's what makes democracy work. And then the candidate, the chips will fall where they where they will. I love it. I love to hear that. Well, you know what? I want to thank everybody for joining me today. Ed, Diana, Mike, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us, to give us this information. Thank you for all of it. Now, to everyone who is listening, of course, thank you as well for joining us. Now, be sure to head over to ProgressTexas.org to follow us on socials and subscribe to our email list. And of course, if you're listening to us, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. Mike, one more time, your website. CallYourForTexas.com. There we are. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you next time.